2: our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite.
3: Webmasterradio.fm presents a show custom built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. Webmasterradio.fm presents CEO Coach. From funding to finance, set up the staffing. Our CEO coaches break down the art of business development from the ground up. Now, here to get you started are the experts of online business startup management and development. The founders of Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy.
1: Welcome to CEO Coach this wonderful Monday morning. This is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy, and it's good to have you. It's good to be here, Jillian. Sounds good. We have an amazing guest today. I'd like to we welcome... We sure do. Yes, I'd like to welcome Bill Hunt. Bill? Hello.
4: How are you? Hi.
1: We're doing Hi, great. Bill. How about you?
4: I'm doing well. Had our really? first snow here in Connecticut, and uh, seasons are changing.
1: My goodness. Well, we have some unseasonably cool weather here in the Northwest, uh, but uh, yes, the seasons do change as they go. So... Tell us a little bit about your background, Bill. I've asked you here because you have operated and sold multiple consultancies, and I'd like folks to understand how you did it and what insights you can share.
4: Okay. Yeah, I think, uh, so I'm Bill Hunt, as you as you said. I've been doing uh, my own thing for now pretty close to... I don't know, 25 years in in different industries. Um, You know, the first company I had, the first real consultancy was actually in a totally different industry. It was in disaster preparedness. And, you know, my 10 years in the Marine Corps sort of helped me prep for that. But it was the same thing. It was consulting, helping companies figure out what to do. Um, you know, to prepare. We were living in Los Angeles, and ironically, that business and doing things on the web is what sort of led me into uh, my second company. You know, I sold that one and then totally took that money and put it into a, a second consultancy that uh, I built and grew, and um, that was acquired by a company called Multimedia Marketing Group. And from there, we built that into a search agency called Outrider um, that was acquired by WPP and uh, sold that and got bored and uh, thought I had retired and uh, realized that you know, my brain wouldn't switch off. So I created yet another um, consultancy that basically everything that I thought we were doing wrong in the previous one. I tried to change in the second one, grew that, and in 2007 sold that to Ogilvy, and in 2009 left because uh, you know it's the thing I don't do well working for the man, and uh, so you know left there and uh, again tried to retire. Brain switched on again and created my current company, Back Asmith Consulting, and. It's it's pretty much me, you know, and I've got, you know, a couple of people I pull in as needed. i got some developers because primarily we're working on tools as well as doing um, very high-level consulting with companies around, um, you know, how to – it's change management around their marketing process um, and, and specifically with emphasis around global. Um, so it's pretty much the same thing, just different flavors over the years.
1: It sounds pretty interesting. So you ended up building and selling now – Two consultancies and have built yet a third. It sounds like you're not likely to sell this last one that you're holding it very tight to the vest. Um, I think Anne and I said uh, probably what you think as well, we have earned the right to have a lifestyle business. And so now we're going to hold that. <laughs> now, in the first company, did you build it with the idea that you wanted to groom it for sale? Or did you simply begin to do something, if you will, bought yourself a
4: job? yeah that 's exactly it. I think buying yourself a job is a great way to describe it and yeah, we had you know when I did it, um, you know it was just that evolution, and I had no intentions around selling it um, and I think in every case the the sort of the trigger for selling um, was the potential to sort of grow and do things that i didn 't think that I could do in my current capacity, so being acquired by someone bigger gave us either a bigger playing field. In the case of the first one, it gave us, you know, access to some bigger companies. It also gave us access to um, really a bigger stable of people that I didn't think that I could necessarily or necessarily wanted to organically grow myself. Um, so that was, uh, you know, it made sense.
1: Okay, so in the sale of your first company, you had been serving somewhat smaller clients. I take it not SMBs, but somewhat smaller clients, and the acquisition, the sale of your company, gave you not only cash in the pocket, but if you will, access to much bigger clients. Is that the case? Yep, that was the case. Okay, so you sold it for two different assets. Did you mindfully consider it as you were selling it, saying, hey, I'm going to get this much cash, but I'm also going to get that?
4: Yeah, that was it. And I think actually the second one uh, that I sold to Ogilvy was was even – it was very much like that. I mean we – when I sat down and decided to do it um, and I had two partners and I think there was two other variables in the second one, which I think many entrepreneurs face. So we were fairly big. I mean we were – 50, 60 people, and that's right at that sort of tipping point where you've got all these nasty things that enter the equation like HR and – Mm-hmm. things where you know your day can be sucked in pretty quickly but but the biggest one of the biggest challenges for us was and you, as you know in a service industry you got to take care of your people the better your people are the better they do and so one of the things everybody wants is benefits you know you got to take care of the family and we had people all over and you know as a typical sort of modern entrepreneur we you know let people work out of their home and so having people in Oregon and Seattle and New York and Connecticut um, trying to wrangle just health plans was was driving us insane, so you know when when Ogilvy approached us um and it, mainly they approached us because we were a total pain in their ass. I mean, we had eight of their clients that we did search for, and we were always sort of showing things they were doing wrong in building sites and stuff like that, so you know w- they came to us and when we said hey, okay what 's the pros and cons? One was we could have. You know, really awesome benefits for our employees that we couldn't necessarily offer uh, ourselves easily or or not even inexpensively. It almost didn't matter what the cost was. The second one is we had a partner that um, had been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, and this was a way that we could also sort of cash him out. Um, right. And and let him you know sort of be with his family and do his thing. You know it's not a it, it's not a life ending disease, but it's definitely a life changing disease. And so yes, you know we wanted to cash Andy out and and let him go do his thing. Um, and then the third one to that expansion is that you know the the best thing about Ogilvy for me is that what we were doing was purely global, and I could basically ring any office out of a hundred. Ish countries in the world and say I need to put a body in Mozambique or um, Prague and to support a client and they'd tell me how much it was for that desk and overhead and boom I've got representation in a local market and you know having grown to I think we were in nine countries when we were bought each one of those was just a slog and and but the demand for global resources was was huge um and that was another big decision besides the human element of why uh you know we agreed to get bought obviously the money was great um the equity was great um but the those other things i think were equally important drivers
1: makes good sense um can you address in the next few minutes maybe how you decided how much you would sell the first company and then the second company? So generically, did they come to you and say, hey, we'd like to buy you and this is the number we're thinking about? And obviously that takes months before they tell you that number. Or did they make you set the first number? This is our valuation.
4: It it, it was sort of a, you know, a Uh, Back and forth, you know, they – the first one was was radically different because we – I think we had a little different of a value. I mean they wanted to add international uh, to their play and I think it was – we came to a number relatively quickly. Um, I had a number in mind. And that's one mistake I think a lot of new entrepreneurs make is they – goodwill and all those funky things in the brand and how good you are and who you are, that doesn't work too well on a balance sheet. So that's, I think, a big shock people get. And I I sort of Uh intuitively knew that. And, uh, you know, I had my number. We weren't that far off because I knew how the multiples work. Um, the mm-hmm. second one was um, I think we we got to a number within, you know, 10 days because, again, mm-hmm. we were pretty mature in terms of our thinking. Um, we did try things like some intellectual property to get that valued in. So it wasn't a straight, you know – Two point five times multiple you know of our of our revenue mm-hmm. or things like that, so I, I think we were reasonably close, and then we went back and forth a number of times on those intangibles, like our reputation in the market, um, some intellectual property that we had that you know it was hard we, it wasn 't necessarily something we were selling at the time, but it was we had some licensing agreements so there was potential. Um, But I think that, but I think it's in many cases, especially in digital businesses, it's very, very hard. And I think a challenge a lot of people face now is everybody wants to see that ramp up, um, you know, to 100,000 users, 10,000 users, a million users of something. And digital businesses are strictly, you know, sort of some multiple of revenue. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's hard for a lot of people to deal with.
1: Yes, I agree, and they have unreasonable expectations around what that might be. So, uh, a 2.5x for a very solid and, um, if you will, healthy company is a really good uh, benchmark there. Okay, we're going to take a break here at CEO Coach. When we come back, I'd like to dig into some more about how you formed the companies, how you grew them, and of course, how you groomed them when it came time to sell. This, good. Is Jill- <laughs> this is Jill. This is. Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy and Bill Hunt. We'll be right back.
3: More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this.
4: Looking for a white label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium
0: Facebook apps and welcome page creators.
3: eBrands.
0: at BruceClay.com
3: We're back with Julian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on webmasterradio.fm
1: and welcome back to CEO Coach. I'm Jillian Music, and I'm with Ann Kennedy. Ann, do you have any brilliant questions for Bill Hunt here? Uh, obviously, bought and sold company. Well, actually, sold companies, built and sold companies, and uh, and now running his own consultancy. What do our re- uh, listeners need to know? Oh my God! I have to say, I'm not the brilliant one. I stand in awe of. Bill Hugs' brilliance all the time, Bill, and I've known you for years. But um, so, yeah, let's go down to some nuts and bolts because um, you were working on your own to build all these companies. I count four, maybe five in the list that you gave in the last segment. How did you grow them?
4: I think number one thing I think is we were just. It may sound a little arrogant. We were good at what we did and we delivered results. And I think that when you deliver results, um, one, you try to grow the business. And in both cases, we actually had a game plan of how do we take an existing client up uh, into you know a bigger thing? And we had this sort of path, as you will, that we would, you know, each year we tried to grow an existing client into the next level, whether that was additional headcount or additional services. And I found that it was far easier for us to grow an existing piece of business than it was to acquire new business. and So So, you know, so it,
1: hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I need a little bit of clarity here just sure. be, for my brain. Um, I I'm, I'm want to make sure I'm understanding and that our listeners understand. When you talk about growing the client, it was growing the services that you were doing it and adding your
4: headcount. Is that exactly, correct? Exactly. Yeah. And so okay, we right. would but let's say we're doing that this sense, amount of work. You know,
1: yeah, I was going to say that t- makes sense. You know, taking on a client and essentially upselling over time exactly. works if you're doing really well for them. Correct. But, Bill, I'd like to know as you took on the first clients, I take it they were maybe mid-sized companies. You didn't just kind of walk into a major enterprise and go, okay, Macy's, uh, AT&T, uh, you know, whatever. L- let's make us do this. You know, we, c- we can get this done. Or did you simply what? brazenly yeah. walk into the offices of those enterprise companies and say, we're the only guys who can help?
4: Uh, in the first one, it was it was sort of the traditional slog. You know, you got to find the right people. It Was typically smaller businesses. Um, the big guys definitely, um, you know, aren't going to give you really the time of the day, and, mm-hmm. it, and it takes a lot of effort. The second one was exactly what you just described um you know we i already had a track record i was fairly well known in the industry um actually i gave it it started again like many of these magically with opportunity i'd been working at, at ibm i gave a presentation at london about how we um sort of built an enterprise search program had really no intention of sort of going out on my own um and I get a call from Yahoo and Yahoo says, hey, we need to do that. Uh, and then three weeks later, we get, you know, uh, an introduction to Procter & Gamble that says we need to do that. Um, so I, I think both were very different. The first was, you know, the typical, you know, you've got to find them and you got to cajole them and you've got to win them over and you've got to earn the business and maintain the business. And the second one was exactly the opposite. We had a reputation uh, and we were, people knew I could do killer work for them, and that was sort of the entree now having IBM as a client as well as working there, uh, you know as they said, nobody ever got fired for buying ibm so that's I think that 's a great thing for. And entrepreneurs, if you find a marquee client and you just work your ass off to you know, to do a good job for them, then that trust factor, other similar-sized companies will, will trust the fact that they know the gauntlet you often go through with these guys. So you've already done half of the due diligence by having a marquee client uh, on the roster.
1: That makes sense. So uh, in kind of summation here, what you're saying is do great work but best to tell the right people. If the right people don't know that you've done great work, there's no way you can leverage it to the next one.
4: That's so true. I did a call with someone this morning today and we got... Ann and I did a conference recently where we talked about hiring and it was one of the people in the audience and he said that you know he's a brilliant developer and he typically only gave a report at the end of his project. He never really filled them in on anything and he ran into a case where he gave his report and people didn't even know he was doing work for them um, and, and that's exactly it. You've got to make sure the right people know and many times people higher up the food chain aren't aware of the great work you do. Uh, so however it is, You've got to make sure you're communicating your performance, no matter what type of business, to as high of a level as possible.
1: So, Bill, how did you stay in front of these potential uh, clients? You indicated at one point you made a speech somewhere, uh, and that makes sense. What would you suggest to people who are at that stage where they've got some good mid-sized clients, they are working their tails off, and they're making those clients some serious money and now they'd like to uh, bring these case studies, but they must bring them to the right people. Can you name names and post numbers?
4: Sure. I think that's exactly it. Name names and post numbers. And you know, you gotta deal with some confidentiality, but you know, you can client X stuff. And I think I think you're right, getting to the right people. One thing that I've found is often you need to write outside of your industry. So, you know, most people, you know, being in digital marketing, um, you know, you write for those usual suspects. But if you get something into a trade vertical, especially if you got, you know, what they say, you got one client, two clients become competitors, and three you become a specialist. And you know, if you can write for financial services, or that's the kind of conference you may want to go to, is something outside of where you know your just you know, a different color of something. And so I think that's good and really show performance. Um, You know, make it less about you and more about the client and, and really show how you made a money or save a money. And I think that talking to the right audience, talking about process, um, you know, we like to refer to it as epiphany marketing. You want to write something or give a presentation that makes someone in the audience say, "Ah, that's amazing! I need to think like that." Now, it may not be today that they come to you. Um, I've had people as far as you know, two, three, five years ago, come to me and say, "I saw that presentation. I read that article that you wrote here or there, and it was inspiring." But I didn't quite need you then, uh, but I do need you now. And so, I think just write something that that's compelling, that's truthful, that shows fact. It shows how you improve someone's business, and and, and people will see it.
1: Makes good sense. So on the wrap-up there, it's really... Write and speak outside your industry. Now, that's ancient stuff. You know, Napoleon Hill suggested that so many years ago. Instead of being an insurance agent and going to the insurance company uh, uh, conferences, he suggested go to the Tuna Boat Manufacturer Conference in San Diego and you will be the only insurance agent there. That ancient truth still holds. (laughs) So I love that story. All right, so write outside your industry, write for your potential clients, not for your colleagues. I mean, it doesn't mean don't write for your colleagues. But if you're focusing on growing the business, you do that. Make it less about you, a lot less, and much more about the client and how they made money. Uh, Trumpet their success. Exactly. Right. And then finally, you called it brilliantly, epiphany marketing, which is make somebody in the audience say to themselves, I've got to think like that. Right. All right. And the final thing is be patient. So that's the hardest thing, right? I want God grant me patience and do it now exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so true <laughs> all right so when you started your very first company let's talk really really early about that um at home or in an outside office and then we're going to take a break uh at home all right see you can start a company as successful as the series of companies that bill has had and you can start it out of your home this is jillian music with ann kennedy we'll be right back
3: more on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. ShipStation helps online retailers ship orders faster. It's so easy to set up and use. ShipStation gives you tools to automatically import, manage, and ship your orders in the most cost efficient way. Save money with the best USPS rates possible, as well as a free USPS account. ShipStation integrates with all the most popular e-commerce platforms and shipping carriers. Get shipping done, no matter where you sell or how you ship. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best name. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at max speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. We're back with Julian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on webmasterradio.fm.
1: Welcome back to CEO Coach with Bill Hunt and Ann Kennedy. Bill, as we wrap up here, I'm hoping that you can share with us the three or four top tips you could give to anybody who would want to follow your footsteps in this kind of a niche market, high value, iterative process of owning your own consultancy.
4: Yeah, I think just focus on something that one you're passionate about and two you're good at, um, and and really find some way to put make it your own. You know, spin it into either your own sort of checklist, your own um, something that you can actually own that that really differentiates you from other people. Um, I think to you know find people that have the problem they may not know they have the problem, and that's why that idea of epiphany marketing um, does that. I mean, a great example example for us with a cloud computing company as we were trying to reach out to the CTO and CIO of this company we actually wrote an article about how migrating to the cloud can reduce the square footage of real estate you know for financial services companies and it, it's pretty expensive in big cities like Boston and New York and actually a CFO of the very company we were trying to target read this article um, made his CTO actually call us. And so the guide we'd been chasing for nine months called us and said I guess I need to talk to you guys so I think that's really good um, and then the third one I think for anybody starting out in any consultancy make sure you get a great accountant uh, and a great lawyer because as any kind of consultant your asset is your time um, and you need to make sure you're covered legally to be have great contracts to explain how you bill your time and third you need to you know make sure the accountant is making sure that you're billing correctly that you've got all of your accounting stuff going well uh, and and Use a great time tracking tool because again, that's your asset. So um
1: What do you use for time tracking?
4: I actually use a plug-in in FreshBooks because it not only allows me to break everything out, it tracks my any contractors I use, um, and it's something I can use on my iPad and my iPhone.
1: Okay. And you've also shared now that you use FreshBooks. Yes. That's great. All right. As Last- well as an iPad and an iPhone. That's true. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. That was a huge amount of, of really hot tips. So, focus on what you're actually passionate about, not just what you're good at. The combination is, uh, is the killer piece. And then you spin it into your own thing so that you stand out uh, something that is iconic um, and, uh, if you will, a brand that can be yours. So, you are making a brand out of yourself to begin with. Then you find people who have a problem, you help them see that problem and the fact that you're the solution. That was a good one, and uh, let's see. Your third one was right: market and reach out to the people who are around the people that are going to hire you. Right? You've been trying to knock down uh, the door of a CTO, and it was the CFO that you reached, and that's pretty uh, pretty good stuff. So look around the people who are going to hire you, and have others lean on them too. And then finally, have a great accountant and a great attorney. I could not agree more. Uh, your time tracking stuff is. A plugin for FreshBooks, and that's yep. what you use for accounting. Any other amazing tips before we wrap up for the day? For one thing, uh, how could people reach you if they do need your services?
4: Oh well, they can come to the site. It's uh, my email is bill at back b a c k hyphen dot com, uh, or they can reach me on my personal blog at bill at uh, w dot com. And uh, that's probably the easiest way. Or uh, they can find me on social media. I've got at Bill Hunt or Bill Hunt and all the different variations. And uh, look forward to to talking or answering any questions that anybody has that's listened to this this recording.
1: Thanks so much. I appreciate you coming by and sharing a few tips of the brilliance of uh, what you've built. It's been an honor to work with you over the years. So this is Julian. Uh, music Likewise.
4: ah likewise. Uh, yes,
1: say likewise. <laughs> Okay. So this is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy. We're interviewing Bill Hunt today. We hope you'll stop by our Facebook page at facebook.com/ceo coach podcast again facebook.com/ceo coach podcast. We'll pop in some uh, links that uh, you know are relevant to our discussions here. We hope you'll pop in your questions or maybe names of folks you'd like us to interview over the coming weeks. You can download these shows through webmasterradio.fm, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and so many other places around the web. Till next week, this is Jillian Nisig and Ann Kennedy.
3: are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited.
4: Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse?